0: Welcome, skiers and riders, to episode three of the Killington Download Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cash. In this episode, I sit down with event director of the homelike Killington Cup, Katrina Ammer. We talk to Katrina about what it takes to conduct the symphony of players that make the World Cup race hum, her time in Sochi, Russia, and if she thinks Michaela Schifrin will go five for five in the slalom this Sunday at The Beast. Then we check back in with Mike Salmano to find out what bringing a World Cup race has done for both the resort and the community. And if he knows where the term positive snow control actually comes from. First up on the podcast, as always, we welcome Amy Laramie. Amy is the director of communications, events and special projects at Killington Resort. Amy, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to be back.
0: It's great to have you. So tell us, how was opening day? How have the first couple of weeks of skiing and riding been at the Beast?
1: Opening day was great. We started off with a great stretch of bluebird skies, too, which you don't typically see in Vermont for that long. Um, And we're already on operating day 16 here at Killington, and we're still the only game in town for skiing and riding in Vermont, which is awesome. Kudos to our snowmaking team for everything that they've done.
0: Yes, big, big thumbs up for the snowmaking team. Uh, I know we've had some kind of warmer weather, let's say warmer than normal weather this fall, but that hasn't stopped the snowmaking team from, and I'll let you say it, World Cup.
1: Yeah, so we received a positive snow control from the FIS last Wednesday. I will say this was one of the more stressful years as far as headed into that snow control just because of the warm temps. Um, that we've had, but the team pulled it off. We're good to go. The guns are still roaring on superstar even today as we speak, but the races will go on.
0: That is amazing news. It must be a weight lifted off the entire resort shoulder uh, shoulders. Um, uh, real quick question, positive snow control. What does that mean? Where did that come from? It sounds very European to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so they actually have a FIS representative here who is out on the trail assessing the trail in the groomer cats um, and he reports back to the FIS um, and they come to a meeting and they determine do we have enough depth do we have enough width? enough coverage of snow um, and really that puts the official stamp of approval of, of approval for the events because, as we all know. Snow is weather dependent and there could be a year where Mother Nature just doesn't work out, but she did.
0: She certainly did. And so did the snowmakers. Uh again, yes. kudos to them. <laughs> if you can just give us a quick rundown on the event again, you're going to need a ticket and a couple other requirements.
1: Yeah. So for this year, the event is Saturday and Sunday. You will need to have a ticket in order to enter the venue. That's in an effort to control capacity and the number of fans coming to the event. It's a nominal fee of $5 for that general admission ticket, and it benefits the Killington World Cup Foundation. When you are coming to the event, you will also need to bring your proof of vaccine or negative COVID test, and do not forget to bring your mask masks are required on public transportation. And unless you were one of the lucky winners to have the VIP parking, everybody will be boarding a shuttle in order to get up to the venue.
0: That's good to know, thank you for that. So after this weekend, uh, the holiday festival is coming in hot and heavy.
1: Yeah, so we have a local event, the Vermont Holiday Festival put on by the Killington Pico Area Association that will return to the Grand Hotel for this year uh, visitors get to come in and enjoy a number of beautifully decorated trees inside the Grand Ballroom, all from the business community. Um, so please come and check it out. It's a great family-friendly friendly event. There'll even be a movie screening as well this year.
0: The smell of the Christmas trees in that room is intoxicating.
1: It is amazing. That's one of my favorite things about walking into the Grand this time of year. Uh, it really gets you in that holiday spirit because you walk in and the smell of close to a hundred Christmas trees is just amazing.
0: <laughs> it is Amy. Thank you again for all the updates and, uh, for joining us on episode three of the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You betcha. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Our guest on episode three is Katrina Amer. Katrina is the event director. For the Home Light Killington Cup, we're going to find out what that entails. Um, Katrina, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Let's jump right in. What does the event director do?
2: Well, um, let's first start with. There's quite a few directors here at Killington, so I'm not. I'm specifically focusing on the World Cup race itself, um, and so my job is to make sure everybody has what they need to get their jobs done. So a lot of what I'm doing is orchestrating the entire project, but just making sure everybody's got what they need.
0: So what exactly does that mean? So you're kind of guiding everybody in, in different departments. So if uh, if someone needs gates up on the hill or more grooming here or food and beverage, you're you're organizing all that?
2: Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. I'm guiding, I'm supporting... Um, making sure that we have big uh, organizing committee meetings with all the leads for every team. So really, in a way, I don't have to do as much work um, because we have such an amazing team here. And there are other directors. You know, Killington's got their directors, but they have so many other things to focus on than just the World Cup race. They do focus on the World Cup race a lot, but they have to open a resort. They have a million other things to do, too. So my job specifically is to focus on the World Cup and make sure that we get it done.
0: So that's, that means you're making sure there's obviously snow on the hill and, and, and the, the food and beverage and the grandstands and the, the announcers and the TV. So right. you're making sure everything is coming together.
2: Yeah, I'm just um, helping everybody work with each other. Um, again, like I don't make snow. <laughs> so, um, and we just work with the different, we have an org chart that um, from the top down starts with Powder, Hervig Demshar and then Mike Solomano, Amy Laramie. And then underneath that, I fall in there and then I have a whole team underneath me that are Killington staff and contractors doing all the work. And I just need to make sure that everybody knows what everyone's doing, what we're doing. So it's a lot of planning, a lot of orchestrating, And a lot of people doing a ton of work.
0: So it it, it sounds like a ton of work. Do you know how many people actually are working for this goal, of putting on a World Cup race?
2: Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think we produce, I'm thinking about how many accreditation we produce. It's probably... 700 that are just working on it. We, do, we produce way more accreditation because there's teams and media and all that. Sure. But just um, workforce, it's contractors, it's people building the tents, it's uh, people that work in the community that are supporting us. Our chief of race is Chuck Hughes, and our trainers are chief of course. So we have a lot. It's a big, it's a big workforce here. When you think of all the Killington staff that's also working on it, in food and beverage, in all their retail... It's big. Yeah,
0: 700 people. It <laughs> seems like quite a bit for central Vermont to all come together yeah, for one right. two-day event, you know. Yeah. It, it so so Powder is Killington's parent company, and Powder brings the World Cup race to Killington is responsible for basically everything. Killington's basically responsible for everything. That must make it a bit easier than, say, other events where there's maybe a middleman.
2: Absolutely. Um, I've worked on quite a few other events, and... All of them have their greatness as well, but this one is the only one I think I've ever worked on where the owner actually organizes the event. So we say it's kind of an Olympic term, but the venue owner organizes the event, so they own the venue, whereas if at other places you might have to make a special venue agreement, and it's just a little bit more complicated. You're right. There's a middleman, and it just... Can be complicated. So if
0: you needed more porta-potties or yeah. more snow, yeah. you'd have to negotiate all that. But here, exactly. Killington just takes yeah. care of it. Yeah,
2: and the, their team is really focused on this, and they're passionate. And Killington's really great at organizing their professionals. And um, so we are it's myself and a small team of contractors that have a lot of experience just specifically for World Cup. Mm-hmm. So we just come in and take care of all the intricate details.
0: A little inside knowledge. Yeah, yeah.
2: and help them teach them, help them set up for success. Must so. be,
0: must make their life much easier.
2: I hope so. <laughs> I think sometimes, though, we <laughs> might complicate it, too. There's some interesting complications I, with the World Cup race.
0: I can only imagine. Yeah. I, we'll, I, I got a yeah. question later, too. But <laughs> okay. I'm just very curious about it. So how long are you here? I mean, you don't just come in. Three days before and like say, Oh, let's put on a race. Like you you, you must make multiple trips. Like how many days on the ground are you?
2: Yes, so before COVID, we used to come out here once a month for a week, starting in June May or June, as soon as the World Cup season ends. And then um this past obviously we didn't get to do it last year. So this year we've just been doing everything by Zoom and then we come out about I'd say five weeks before the event starts. So
0: you've been here for four Since, weeks now? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, Which that's
2: we good. love. I mean, and it's so much better to be on the ground here. And obviously we have a small team that comes in that early and we have to get, you know, temporary infrastructure built and all that. So,
0: so you probably get to see the foliage in the beginning of winter. We
2: just missed the peak, but it is really beautiful yeah. when we first get here. So
0: So on Sunday afternoon, uh, how much more work is there to be done? Like the, the race is over the crowds funneling out the circuit's moving on to Lake Louise, then St. Moritz, then Val d'Isere. Do you just sort of pack up your suitcase and go, or is it, is it just, I mean, how much work does it take to get the resort back to, say, normal?
2: Um, well, that's always the funny thing about events. It takes forever to get them set up, and it's a lot faster to tear them down. But we get the infrastructure out, most of it out within the week, mm-hmm. and sometimes. Um, I usually leave by, like, Thursday of that week, but there's still a crew here obviously working and sometimes they get superstar open by the end of the week depending on what's going on but um it's like a week after but then there's still a lot going on you're sure. paying invoices and yeah. there's, so there's there's no vacation on thursday is there is well there a few for days? me it is it's okay. super easy yeah. so and i go back home and there's a ski race there in beaver creek so i go from one to the next or do, do you go to work in Beaver no, Creek? okay i just go for fun
0: so how did you get started in this career
2: It's a good question, because I kind of fell into it, walked into it, lucked into it. I'm not sure what the word is, but um, I worked at a ski shop. I'm from Colorado. I worked at a ski shop in Vail, and I'll go way back now. It was 1984. I had just graduated from high school, and I was about to start college, and um, they sold mountain bikes, which was really unusual back then, and then they decided to start a mountain bike race series. And I think that was the first time I really organized anything, because we all had to, those of us that work there. Yep. And then I eventually took that series over and did that for 10 years and okay. did other things, too, like clean bathrooms at a pizza place. And what was <laughs> the name of the race? It was called the Mountain Challenge. Huh. Yeah, and it's still going today. It's just been okay. – it's had a few different management. but It's still – I think we're
0: – So I can go out to Bale? Yeah. And, and and race? When is the race, just out of curiosity?
2: They do it, and they start in May, and it goes through usually September. It's oh, so like, it's a series. It's like, a yeah, every couple weeks they oh, no, do okay. it. Yeah, it's great.
0: So you grew up in Colorado. Who, who introduced you to skiing?
2: Uh, my parents used to manage the Lodge at A Basin, and actually it was just before I was born, and my dad was a ski instructor, and I was I grew up in Dillon, Colorado, tiny town at the time I was born there were about 400 people there. It's a little mm-hmm. bit bigger now, but um so it's quite small and my dad was a ski instructor and that's just what you did, everybody had a bunch of jobs and so they took us skiing when we were really little. I kind of don't remember the first time, but I remember a lot of other times uh a basin getting lifted off the ground on the poma lift mm-hmm. and stuff. So
0: did did you were you a ski racer growing no. up? No.
2: I did like I'd go to the ski racing clinics and I'd do that. I had a lot of friends that were ski racers, but when I so I, I skied a lot, but I um didn't ski all the time and then somehow later in life I started thinking moguls were fun. Mm-hmm. And so I competed in that for a while with total free dogger moguls. So yeah,
0: there's a lot of Killington locals that love to hear that. We're, you know, we're hosting a World <laughs> Cup yeah. race, but there's a ton of mogul. Um, I'm
2: definitely a passionate freestyler as well. So that's yeah,
0: that's cool. Yeah. Um, so getting back to your career, what other opportunities has this job offered you? Um, I've read someplace that you worked at multiple Olympic Games, uh, World Championship ski events, shoot even tennis. Can can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, well, the bike racing, my huge career in bike racing, where we used to like pour flour for the finish line, but it was fun. <laughs> We'd have like 400 people every time. Um, from there, the Vale Valley Foundation, they organize a lot of big events in Colorado. Right now they do Birds of Prey as one of their events. Mm-hmm. They were interested in starting World Cup mountain biking, so we kind of teamed up, and that's how I got hired by them. In 1994, they had a... World Championships, and it was one of the biggest events in uh, Vail's history with all, you know, like Tomac and Missy Jovi and the old school mountain bikers.
0: I, w- I went to college with Missy Jovi. Oh,
2: see, yeah. she Two was, years, yeah, freshman, cool.
0: sophomore at Plymouth State College. No way, that's yeah, awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah, so, and that was kind of the heyday at the beginning of huge mountain biking. And so then it just kind of, I, I walked into it again. I fell into it because um, after that event, someone left that was coordinating all the teams for all their world cups and that's how i started and so i worked there for 13 years and in 2007 got an opportunity to go work in vancouver for the olympics
0: that must have been amazing
2: yeah and interestingly enough hervig Demshar, who hired me here
0: yep he's the ceo of the local organizing committee or or he's the
2: chairman of the board of the the local organizing committee and he has a different title for powder that i should probably know some sort of senior (laughs) vice president sorry (laughs) harvey um but anyway he's the one who contacted me for vancouver as well just interestingly enough so then i went and worked there um in through 2010 through the olympics and paralympics and then I had a little break and then decided to go there. It was either go to London for the Summer Olympics or Sochi for the winter. And I chose winter.
0: So you were at Sochi? I was at Sochi. So how long that. are you on the ground in Sochi? Like well,
2: I was there for almost almost three years. I want to say two and a half years okay. I lived there. I lived up in the mountains from the beginning, but we'd go to Moscow once a month. Wow. That's where the head office was. We were kind of isolated. But for me, people thought it was crazy. People from Moscow thought, how can you live in that small town? I was like, well, where I'm from, this is kind of like it was when I was a kid. But then they did, you know, massive construction. So
0: How was your Russian?
2: It was bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I can't imagine having to learn a, another language at, you know, yeah. on a whim for you know, just moving to the middle of Russia.
2: You learn quick the words you need to know, and yep. that's what we did. And we got lessons, but no, it was not good. But the people there were so nice.
0: How would you say an Olympic Games is different from a World Cup event?
2: Well, in some ways it's easier to as a if I'm speaking strictly about organizing it, um, in some ways it can be easier because the Olympics is such a huge um, they have a huge workforce and there's such a process to it all. So you know at a World Cup or another race, you might be the one I'm trying to think of an example of. I need to set up my own tables and chairs and yep. plug in my computer and do whatever. At the Olympics, like, there's people that do all that for you. Everything so for you. you. Yeah, and there's a huge workforce. There's a very clear process of what you do. So in some ways, it's easier. But it does, you know, they start four years out organizing games. And just the scope of it, and especially, like, broadcast, and it's just huge. You can't imagine. Yeah, so, yeah. So that,
0: that, that must make, like, a, a month here – putting on two races seem almost easier?
2: Not, not entirely. No? It's funny. It really isn't. I think every every organization is different, but in some ways what you do at the Olympics can be easier um, than this just because there's such a huge workforce, and that's all they're doing, yeah. you know. Um, One singular focus. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it's easy. I should, no, no, probably no, shouldn't no, no, use no, that no. word. <laughs> I shouldn't use that word no, either. No, I did. I used that word. So, But um, but both of them have their challenges, and both of them have their rewards for sure.
0: Let's go back to 2016, the the first World Cup race at Killington. It's Saturday morning. I imagine you're up at the venue before dawn. Um, it's quiet. The sun starts to peek over the mountains. In your wildest imagination, did you ever think – you would see fifteen to twenty thousand people on that first World Cup race day. Uh,
2: no, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was told that by quite a few people. I think Mike Salamano was one of them that thought, "Yeah, we're going to have a big crowd." And I, I thought there would be a big crowd. And what I think a big crowd is is like eight or ten thousand people. Um, the Olympic venue I worked at in Vancouver actually, our capacity was only seven thousand. That's mm-hmm. all that would fit. But yep. um, so. I was thinking, oh, that would be great. And then when they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. So um, it was awesome. Like, it was unbelievable. And luckily, we had all planned for that because we kind of had a little wager going, like a, not a financial wager, yeah, but a friendly, a wager. friendly wager going um, of how many spectators. And everybody picked different numbers. And uh, I, I can't, I think it might have been Mike Solomono that had the... Had the big number, had the big number, and it was right. And it was, it just that atmosphere is just unbelievable. And the fact that everybody's coming to cheer on everyone that's there, um, the spectators here are super knowledgeable about ski racing, and they cheered for everybody. They were so keen to have ski racing back in the east that it was an incredible atmosphere. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, Killington has hosted a ton of very large events. Yeah, uh, recently. Do tour and world freestyle yeah. championships, and but I have to say over the years, um, I've never seen the community come together as strongly as they did over the World Cup. It, from the from the guy that was checking you out at the grocery store to the to the bartenders and the waiters and waiters, everybody knew who was coming. Everybody was so excited, and they all came out and forced to support the racers. Um, you must have felt that.
2: Yeah, we totally did, and we were coming out that summer and. Um I hadn't been here for years and years, and so we were in some a uh, couple restaurants or at the grocery store, and it wasn't they had no idea who we were. we have no idea who they are, but you could hear people talking about it, or we would have people tell us things like with Hervig, they would tell us things that they knew about the World Cup and what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. And it was unbelievable how many people knew and knew some pretty good details about it too, which I loved. and they were all super passionate about it. So, um, and but it still seems that way. It feels like the whole, for me, the whole community and the whole state is behind sure. it. It's really nice that, to have that kind of support.
0: So I, I believe what truly makes this event so special is, is the community and, and, and even more so the fans that attend, you know, a lot of them are local, but a lot of them travel from all over new England to to cheer on the racers. Um, but over time you would think that number would decrease a little, just, just over basic fatigue like oh I've been there I've been there but that's not the case the community comes out and rallies the the ski community ski racing community come out and rally comes out and rally um how how is that how, how is the Vermont fan different from say fans around the world
2: oh that's a good question um well there's a lot of them that come from far and wide and I think You know, I can't really speak for everyone in the rest of the world, but what I've noticed here is that they're very educated about ski racing. So many of them know about ski racing, and there's so many ski racers in the East. I think for U.S. Ski and Snowboard, its eastern division is their biggest membership. I didn't know any of that when I first started, but I was so impressed with how many people knew so much about it. And then the other thing is all the the clubs around here. We did the parades the first year. We can't do it this year. We will be recognizing Vera's 50th anniversary, though. But we can't do the physical parade this year. But I, I was so amazed at how many clubs and how m- We had a 1,000 kids come out I was just there for the parade.
0: F- yeah, that first year, they were one after the it other. It was you know. so
2: cool, and you they know. were so excited, and uh, it was just great. And I know that, like, some of the European broadcasters that were here heard about it, and they're like, well, what is this? And when they saw how many there actually are. And I think that's what impressed the Europeans a lot, too, is how many spectators came out, how knowledgeable they are. Because I don't know if you come to Killington, if you have never been here and drive up the access road, you might not think it's going to have twenty thousand spectators.
0: Yeah, you, you come up that last yeah. little pitch, and all of a sudden you see the grandstands it's and, so the, cool. and the head w- or the lower head wall is yeah. superstar, and it's the energy you can feel at the yeah. minute the minute you get out of the car or the bus. Um, it's
2: so fun. Uh,
0: so speaking of the energy, the energy, and, and you touched on this uh, earlier in a question that the the fans that come to Killington show up for the first racer out of the gate, and yeah. they stay till the last you know yeah. racer out of the gate. You know. Um, or, or, you know, the first run, the 40th, 50th racer, they're, they're exactly. stay until see, see everybody. Um, from the athlete's point of view, what does that do for them?
2: Oh, it does so much for them. And you can only imagine what they've gone through this past year without spectators. Yeah. Um, and so having spectators slowly but surely coming back is a huge thing. And it does so much for all of the athletes. And I know that it's a reason that they love coming here. They can't believe, I think they were the same way. They drive up the road and like, okay, this will be interesting. It's kind of quiet the first day they get here and then it just blows up. And I think um, on the fifth tour after our first year, the second year we held the race, there's some sort of polling survey that is done within the FIS, and we ended up in the top three of all the women's races just in our second year.
0: Just in the second year.
2: And I think a lot of it has to do with the fans, the spectators, the fat you know, that's really important for yeah. the FIS.
0: Without a doubt, I mean, uh, you know, you hear it from Michaela and Nina and Paula, who all have ties to, right. to the area. So that makes sense, you know, oh, we love coming back. this amazing. We get this, you know, race World Cup it, in the same state that we went to either high school or college and Right. Uh, but then you ask some of the foreign racers, you know, a, a racer from Japan I talked to a couple years ago. she's oh, my God, I love this. this is amazing. Or, or Russia or who, wherever. And, and it's uh, it's really cool to see the excitement um, the fans give the athletes and, and how yeah. much the athletes love the excitement from the fans.
2: Right. Yeah. And, again, I keep saying it, but it's a very educated crowd, so they know who these people are. You know, these sure. people are heroes in – a lot of places in the world, and in the U.S. it depends where you are, but here people know exactly who they are.
0: So today is the Friday before, one week before the World <laughs> Cup. We're, we're, we're eight days away. <laughs> we are. Um, our, and, and we just got positive snow control. Yay. Which which I have many questions about positive snow control. Oh, I don't sounds, know if I'll be able to answer that. Just, just, no, 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 it, it just sounds so very European. Oh, right? yeah, like, right, right. Like, like, why can't it be you know hey snow's good to go let's have a race yeah positive snow control anyway (laughs) um are you ready
2: yeah we're ready um yeah i mean the weather here is quite exciting Mm -hmm. uh changes Mm -hmm. a lot so and the thing here too again i don't make snow I've never seen even in Russia they made snow like crazy. I've never seen snow making like this and how fast they can do it, how fast they can get the course ready. I think that's another thing about being here is there are so many experienced coaches and ski racers here that can help prepare the course cuz that's you know it's one thing you got to make all the snow but then somebody's got to prepare it. Um, I,
0: I was very surprised about how much grooming yeah goes into it's the slope and and, yeah. and they don't even let the groomer that grooms the slope touch exactly. other snow. That's exactly. how serious they take this as well. They have one groomer that drives supplies up, and then there's a dedicated groomer for the slope that picks up right. those supplies and moves them around. The, the level of detail is amazing. Yeah.
2: And, that, I mean, that's a huge amount of coordination on the hill and a lot of experience. And so, yeah, a critical Critical experience on that blue ice or whatever it is. That I have skia. stories about the ice too. No, yeah.
0: no way. I think I saw fish swimming underneath. I'm them, but sure. Yeah. Um, but
2: that's another reason the athletes love it. The surface is amazing here that they prepare. So that's that's
0: yeah. that's good to hear. Kudos yeah. to the snowmakers. Exactly. Um, what's left to do? You have eight days. What, what what's on your <laughs> plate the next eight days?
2: Oh, let's see. What's not on our plate? I I think we're at that point where we are obviously we're we're. We just moved into our headquarters at the Grand Resort and there's constant communication with all the teams that are coming and switching rooms and doing this and that. Up at the finish area, they've built all the tents, they've built the grandstands, and now they're loading in furniture. So we're kind of at what you'd call at the Olympics they have all these stages. We're at mm-hmm. the load-in stage. Okay. Um right now and obviously they're working super hard on the superstar, super hard on the superstar yeah. course getting that prepared. And there's a whole group of, um, a lot of them are volunteers. Most of them are volunteers that help prepare the course.
0: When do the racers arrive?
2: Uh, They will probably start arriving as early as this coming Monday, because they're in Levy, Finland right now. They have raced this weekend. And then they'll come, not all of them, but some of them will start arriving that early. And then the official arrival date is Wednesday, the 24th.
0: And they have skyburst to train on?
2: Oh, that's a loaded question. We hope so, but we, we just so. don't know yet. Okay, um, They're the, working hard on that. Obviously, the race course is top priority, yep. but they're working hard to get some training for them.
0: The weather's been a little... Yeah. We're, we're, we're lucky to be having a race.
2: Absolutely, and we'll just stick with that. But if we're able to, and when I say we, again, it's not me preparing, yep. but those if, they, if everyone on the hill feels good about it, they'll give them training.
0: So it sounds like you have a lot going on. We're going to get you going. I have a, just a few last kind of maybe quicker questions. Um, Vermont is known for a, a lot of like craft things, craft beer, you know, exquisite cheese, maple syrup, etc. cetera. In your f- five years here, what's, what's some of the best stuff you've eaten or drank or tasted or what, wh- what, what screams Vermont to you the most when you get here?
2: I definitely eat a lot of dairy when I'm here <laughs> and it's so good. um, Oh, gosh, that's a hard question for me because everything is so good. Everything's so good and fresh. I like uh, Shaxbury cider. Oh, I probably shouldn't be like. No, (laughs) no, that's fine. Um, But no, I I just enjoy like when you go out, there's just good food, nice things, things that are local. um,
0: I think that says it perfectly, like local stuff, you know, Yeah. some other cities, say, out west, become very homogenized with, you know, it's it's a chain store, it's a chain store. Right. And, and here you have a little hole-in-the-wall places. That oh, yeah, I absolutely love that, yeah. Um, in sports, there's a lot of talk recently about the goats, you know, the greatest of all times. Um, do you think Mikhail will, you know, when all's said and done, will be recognized as the best skier ever?
2: Wow. Um, probably. <laughs> I mean, she's heading in that direction for she's sure. I close. mean. It's such a tricky question, best skier ever, but yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so too. Yeah.
0: Where, where do you think she'll rank as one of the best athletes of all time?
2: Oh, boy. Um, she's, d- she's already up there. Sure. So yeah, yeah, if she isn't already, I yeah, should say. Yeah. Um, oh, I'd say she's in, well, I don't. I
0: say. mean, we're, we're talking Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, you know, like the best I'm of the going best with of
2: the top best.
0: 10. I could top five? I, I think there's a
2: top two. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, she's top five. Yeah,
0: top ten, definitely. I think there's an argument for top five. Yeah, um, and it's really cool. We get to see her race.
2: It's so uh, cool. Yeah, and she, you know, she's well. She's from around here, yes. sort of. She <laughs> Tricky, was born. She was born right, I yeah. believe, right over in, and Hanover. she, um, she did she. Raced back here. This is where she got her big yeah. start. Right in Right up racing. the road in yeah. Green uh, yeah.
0: at Burke Academy. Um, do you think she goes five for five in the slalom? Yes. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, she has to be the odds on
2: I but don't like to put pressure on anyone. No, no, so. no, 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 no.
0: Gosh, no. But uh, <laughs> when you get, when you go down yeah. to get on the superstar lift, they have the the winners there on the right on, a, on, on the wall, side, yeah. and you see Mikhail, 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 Mikhail. Yeah. So. Uh, just one last question. Uh, I've asked my previous two guests this question. So you're, you're getting on the superstar chair, let's say it's middle of the winter, and you're by yourself and you can fill the chair with three other people, whoever it may be. It could be, you know, George Washington, Oprah Winfrey, or whoever, you know, it doesn't matter. Who, who, who do you choose to ride the chairlift with?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, for sure my dad. He, he's the one that got me into skiing, yeah. and he would be so happy to be on that chair. Sure. Uh, my brother, and who is the other one? And my mom. There you go. Is that too easy?
0: I'm, I am now three for three with Mike Solomano, his kids, uh, Tim Rosnan, his kids, and his wife. And now we have more family members. It's a fam- See, Skiing is a it, family it affair. It really
2: is, and it's usually how it all starts, sure. right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, Katrina, thank you very much for your time. I know you're very busy. You have a lot to do. Um, you and your teams have a lot to do. Uh, I would just want to say thank you for taking time out of uh, a very busy schedule to come talk to us and the Killington community. Thank you for being on the podcast.
2: It is my pleasure. And like you said, when you said teams, um, really, I can't really take credit. We have such an incredible team here. And I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, mean that. The team and the community and everybody's working so hard to make this great. So um, come out on the weekend, come cheer us on.
0: We definitely will, we'll be coming out. We're gonna be cheering on everybody and we're gonna be cheering on you and your teams to do a fantastic job. Let's hope for some great weather and uh, we'll see see you up at the World Cup. See you there. As always, it's my pleasure to welcome back Mike Salamano, president and general manager of Killington Resort. Mike, welcome back to the Killington Download Podcast. It's great to be here. Just a few days ago, we've got a word that we have positive snow control. So what that basically means is the race is on.
3: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, everyone knows how warm it's been, right? No other resort's even gotten open. And so we've been fighting Mother Nature for a while and made snow a couple of times and lost it a bunch. And it's been a battle. But, you know, as you can see, our team, you know, they're fighting hard and they did a great job. So we're excited. You know, even last night it rained again. So it's going to be it'd probably be t- tough right up to the end. But, uh, you know, we'll pull it off and I'm sure we'll do a great job.
0: I just got done interviewing uh, Katrina Ammer and she is just blown away by the amazing snowmaking effort that your team or the Killingtons team put together. I mean, two weeks ago, like you said, there was nothing. And now... And now we're going to be the world's greatest racers are going to be flying down the slope on Saturday.
3: Yeah. And Katrina, you know, she does this for a living. She goes around and does world cups and Olympics. So she sees a lot and a lot of places have had to cancel early season on the last couple of years. So, you know, it's a testament to the team.
0: Oddball question. Where do you think positive snow control came from? Sounds very European. Like it it, it makes no sense to me. Why, Why not just say, you know, geez, the race is on.
3: You know, it's funny. I heard that the first time too. And I have no idea. No idea. I, I don't know. It's one of those like double speak type things. So, uh, you know, it sounds like I call it marketing babble. One of these, like someone came up with some overthought it, I guess.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to keep asking that question until I find the answer. I'm, maybe Hervik will get us that answer. Um,
3: my guess is it's probably some translation from like German or something. Austrian like, I, probably. Got, it, it probably, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's my guess is how it worked out.
0: Sounds about right. We'll go with that for now. Um, Powder's founder and chairman, John Cumming, uh, he was once quoted, and and I'm going to paraphrase here, um, we want to bring a world-class event like a World Cup race to Killington to showcase what a world-class resort Killington is. What do you think the race has done for the resort?
3: Well, I think, you know, in terms of being world-class, I think the terrain has always been world-class, right? And I think our snowmaking has always been world-class you know, I think there were a couple of years, a lot of years where we didn't have a lot of investment. Maybe some would say the resort started to decline a little bit, you know? So I think from an experience standpoint, we, you know, we didn't have our best years. I'd say when I got here about 20 years ago, we were going through some pretty tough times. And, and I think when John, when he bought Killington through powder, I think he envisioned that, hey, he could, you know, powder with investing and and doing that could could reinvigorate the resort. And I think the World Cup was part of that. You drive
0: up and down the Killington Access Road, and you talk to uh, you know restaurant owners, shop owners, and everybody has something positive to say about the resort and it and it and the impact on the community um, has been quite substantial. Uh, can you talk to talk to that a little bit? The impact on the community.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think when people first heard we were going to do a world cup. I mean, I think for a lot of people, they probably didn't even know what that meant, right? Everyone's seen ski racing on TV and it's like, what does that mean? Okay, cool. We do a bunch of events, right? We've done the due do tour. We've done different things. And, and I think until people saw, started to see the venue get built and said, wow, this is like a whole nother level. And I think that, and then that first year was pretty magical. It was a year similar to this year where the weather was pretty tough, right down to the wire where we weren't sure we we're going to even be able to pull the event off. And, uh, you know, I think people came in and the crowds were huge and it was just, like kind of blew all of us away, to be honest. I mean, sure. I wasn't even expecting it to be that amazing. And, you know, it just had such a great feel. And, and I just think also for the local community, and it's not just the business owners or people who live in town. I mean, we have so many second homeowners that have, you know, been Killington skiers forever. And they just take such pride in this place. And I think that for all of them, they're like, we did this, you know, <laughs> like they didn't do anything, but you know what I mean? It's cool because they did, right. They're, yeah. they're participating and sure. feeling that bond and that parts, that's one of the cooler things of running a resort like Killington where people have just such a passion for it. It's pretty, pretty amazing.
0: I think the ski racing community as a whole, especially New Englanders, uh, Katrina talked about this a little bit, um, how they come from all over upstate new york new hampshire maine anywhere there's a ski club they're here to watch this event that's that's got to be pretty cool as as a resort to be able to bring you know basically a super bowl of ski racing to you know a small small town in central vermont
3: well and of course everyone's always comparing you know east coast to the west coast and you look at some of the events they've done out in colorado or another other other western areas and you know, they're getting a couple thousand people, right, yep. for a really successful event. And then we pull off this event with 15, you know, 18,000 people. And it just shows there's a huge ski racing culture on the East Coast. And and it was really cool. Also, it wasn't just a Killington thing, right? I mean, we always say, I mean, it was great for the state of Vermont. All the other ski resorts were really into it and thought it was great. And ski teams from everywhere came, right? I mean, you look at the race crew that's helping on the course. It's guys from Stowe and Sugarbush and Stratton. You know, everybody's helping out and people are just really excited about it.
0: Yeah, the the community effort is really something to behold, really I mean, has so many volunteers just, you know, giving their free time to help pull this event off. It's uh I think it's something really special that makes Killington stand apart from from other resorts.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting because we all compete pretty hard for for skiers, right? We're we're competitors, but we try to be you know, good friends and neighbors and trying to grow the, grow the sport. And so it's been pretty exciting on that front where we can all work together. And I think that, you know, I think the other resorts are really, they're proud that, you know, we've been able to pull it off. Although we, we kind of fight with them on different things about trying to get skiers. But I think, you know, they, they know it was, it's good for skiing to see that many people here and, 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 you know, taking pride in the event.
0: Sure. It's a, it's okay to, it's okay for every ski resort. Whether you're a Vail-based resort or, or a Powder or a or an Altera to to maybe sometimes pull on the same oar or the same boat to get kind of skiing going in the right direction.
3: Yeah, and then, you know, a part of Ski Vermont, you know, that's an association of all the resorts in Vermont. We, we do a lot together and we work hard together. And I think, you know, it's different than a lot of industries where we do actually work together, right? If somebody's lift goes down and we've got a part and they don't have it. You know, we're not like, Hey, we've got a part and you, you know, you're, you're screwed. You know, we, we send a team up to go help them. Right. That's kind of what happens. And that doesn't happen in a lot of industries. So that's a pretty neat thing.
0: Um, completely shifting gears. I asked Katrina this question. When all said and done, do you think Michaela Schifrin will be the greatest ski racer of all time?
3: Boy, I mean, after you see what she's done every Sunday here, it's hard to, it's hard to believe she wouldn't be right. I mean, it's almost amazing. I mean, I think every year you're like just hoping you're like, oh my God, she's gotta win again, right? That's just what she does. And I mean, that's a lot of pressure on her. But like, you know, last year or I mean two years ago when we did it, and thinking, wow, at some point, you know, how many times can you do that? I mean, I think the challenge with ski racing is it's just so difficult, right? If you're like the number one or two person in a lot of sports, say tennis or golf, you, know, you had a lot of chances to kind of redo a shot. But I mean, you know, when you're doing something like ski racing, you know, you you only get two, two runs and they both have to be perfect to win. So the fact that you can do that even here four times in a row and, and obviously her record everywhere else is amazing. Sure. But I mean, everyone's just expecting it. So it's sort of like if she came in second, it'd be like such a disappointment. I mean, that's a tough thing to live up to.
0: I, I can't imagine that kind of pressure on a day-to-day basis. If you make one tiny mistake, it's... One one-thousandth of a second, that might cost you first to third. You know, I, like that's that's the margin of error that we're talking about here. But, I mean, overall, I mean, she could go down as one of the greatest athletes of all time.
3: You know, I think for, at least for the East Coast, I feel proud that the Killington events, you know, helped – Bring that more to light, even for you know the U.S. market, right? Obviously, uh, ski racing is way more popular in Europe, but I think we've done a nice job to, to get a lot of people in this market even more excited about it. I think people are watching that, and you know we weren't sure when we first started the event how many people would really show up for ski racing, but you, as you mentioned, people are driving from upstate New York and they're coming from everywhere, and that's pretty. It's pretty awesome.
0: I mean, I guess that's what I was trying to trying to say is that how cool is it that on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be able to watch who might arguably be one of the greatest athletes of all time at their discipline race right here down superstar. And next week I can get on that lift and go ski that trail. That's, that's just really cool.
3: Yeah. And I think for a lot of the young girls, I mean, to me, that's one of the cooler things, right? That they get to see these great women athletes. And then they're like, Hey, I just, I literally just, I just went, went down that trail last week. I'm going down that next. That's my home mountain. I mean, then, That's pretty remarkable.
0: Do you think Mikhail will go five for five on Sunday?
3: No doubt. And I think what also makes the event so cool on Sunday, especially, is everybody stays. It's not like a lot of games or sporting events you go to where people start bailing out, Like right? You have to stay to the last racer because it's always Michaela. So well, the just the pent up, everyone is just crazed, just like half nervous and everyone wants her to win. And that's just so exciting. You can just feel it in the crowd. So that's pretty neat. And, you know, in Vermont, we don't get, we don't have a lot of live sports. So that's pretty neat to see.
0: I mean, I mean, even the, the first run of both the Giant Slalom and the Slalom, you know, from racer 30 to 60, 70, 80, And the fans here at Killington, they stay till that last racer comes down, and they applaud as loud as they do for the first racer as the last racer. But uh, to your point, Michaela coming down, the roars are deafening. The the hair on your arm stands up because you just want her to win so badly. Like, you really have to wonder if there's an energy pulling her down the mountain.
3: Yeah, and I think the other thing that's interesting, you know, the FIS does some – gets some feedback from all the coaches and and different um, athletes, and and they rank the venues – and the fact that you know we've just started doing this World Cup and uh, we ended up ranking in the top three, which yes. is pretty remarkable if you think about it. Some of these some of these venues in Europe have been doing it for decades, and they're really putting off pulling off some pretty amazing events. And the fact that we could be in the top three is is very remarkable. It makes you know me proud of the team.
0: Katrina spoke to that. She said after year one, Killington was ranked three in in the whole entire you know World Cup circuit like that. I think again that speaks volumes to the community and the fans and and the and the in the job your team does.
3: The other thing is before we did the first year uh, several of us went over to Solden and went to a World Cup and got to see what it's like and and that place is just remarkable, right? It's up at the top of the mountain and they actually have a whole venue that's pretty much just for the World Cup race. They've built buildings and grandstands fixed there they use it just one weekend for her world cup event that's yeah. how into it they are it just sits empty the rest of the year which okay. is which is remarkable that we're even competing with somebody like
0: yeah. that yeah so the world cup obviously a, a huge success and it and it brings the community together for thanksgiving weekend and people look forward to it it's on the it's on their calendar but i think it extends even beyond that um, you know it, it extends to the whole winter and and bleeds into summer and fall Can you speak to how the world cup has had an effect on, on Killington as a year round uh, destination?
3: Yeah. I mean, we were trying to, you know, we had a lot of tough years, as I said, not just financially, but even with the community and the business owners and, and a lot of controversy of whether, you know, the resort was really in it for the whole community. And I think we've been working hard to make sure that everyone felt like we were trying to be a good partner and helping the community grow and doing the right thing. And as we brought in, You know, trying to improve summer and growing year round. I think World Cup was just part of that, that, you know, we just went out and did some pretty cool things that that people in the community felt like we were looking out for more than just ourselves. Right. I think they understood that this event is not something that makes money, that we're doing it for a long term Strategy to help the brand, which once we help the brand, to Killington, it's helping every business up and down the road, right? And and we're doing it for ourselves, but we are doing it for the community as well. And I think we, as a group, you know, we call it One Killington, where it's the resort, the business community, and the town really working together. And I think um, you know we've really done well with that. So I'm pretty proud of that.
0: So the World Cup is a is a big piece of the puzzle, but again, it's just one one piece of a of a large puzzle. Kind of bringing the community and the resort together to to make everybody better.
3: I think it's like any relationship, right? It's not one event that ever makes the relationship. It's all those small things that you're doing and all the interactions with all the different stakeholders in the community. And I think it's just, you know, our team continues to try to do the best we can here and making sure we're not doing it at, you know, anybody's expense. We're really trying to do it as we're, you know, hopefully everybody is improving as we're improving.
0: Well, Mike, I, for one, can't wait for Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I look forward to it very much. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, if you can break free from uh, the craziness that's going on here at the resort, uh, to have a little family time in Turkey. Thanks again, as always, for coming on the podcast.
3: I'll see you all out on the hill.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that does it for Episode 3 of the Killington Download Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Katrina Ammer. If you have, do us a favor and consider subscribing. As always, you can get all the latest happenings at The Beast through the Killington app for your phone. If you haven't downloaded it already, make sure you do. Also, make sure you follow Killington on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the fresh content. I have links to all that and the app in the show notes below. I'm Justin Cash, thanks for listening,
2: and we'll see you at The Beast.